Good morning, everybody. We're going to wrap up Song of Solomon. Today we've entitled it Hashtag Relationship Goals. Hope you've enjoyed it, but I'm ready to move on to something else. But this has been really, 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 really good. So we're going to wrap it up today. And as I uh, conclude, before we get into it, I, I want to remind you, Wednesday night is first Wednesday where we get together. We have kids ministry up to second grade. And then the rest of us come in here. Youth will have their, their part back there. And then we'll come in here to worship. And we have a special guest. Larry Briggs will be here Wednesday night. He, he got miraculously healed from terminal Louis body dementia. They sent him home and gave him like weeks to live. And God miraculously healed him. And uh, he has a wonderful story. It's Brian Briggs' father who was at, who's at Destination. He has a wonderful story. And, uh, and then he has a gift of healing. He, he prays for people to receive healing. God's just created in him a lot of faith. And uh, if you're sick in body, you know somebody that's sick, in any, physically, emotionally, any, in any way. Man, I encourage you to be here Wednesday night. We're going to pray for the sick. We're going to pray the prayer of faith. And we're going to believe they get healed in Jesus' name. So, so be here for that. And guys in the back, my mic is really hot up here. I don't know what it's, I'm sure it sounds great out here, but up here is really hot. So if you turn me down a little bit. I'm not hot. My mic is hot. <laughs> oh, and I wanted to say this too. This past Thursday or Friday, March 1st, when was that? I think it was Friday. My mom and dad celebrated 56 years of marriage. So I don't know if they're in this service. They usually come either to 9 or 11, but man, I'm so proud of them. So grateful that I got to be raised in a home of parents that, that uh, loved one another and, and uh, modeled for me what it was to, to be married. So, so congratulations, mom and dad. I'm so grateful for your lives. Not long ago, I saw an elderly couple. I was, I was at Vinny's and I was sitting right by the window so I could see them and and I was waiting on somebody, so I, I was kind of had some whatever, and I saw him get out of the car, and the little old man, they were an older couple, the little old man helped her out of the car, and, and they walked across the parking lot arm in arm, and, and I saw him get to the, to the door, and he opened up the door for her, and, and they walked in, and, and then when the waitress came, I was still observing them, and, and uh, she said she, the man couldn't hear very well, and she kind of ordered for him, and, and then they were leaning in and like talking and listening to each other, and it was really kind of, it was really, I hate to use the word precious because I don't want to sound like I'm feminine, but it was like precious. Like it was really like, you know, I'm not, I'm not feminine, but it was sweet. It was very, it was tender. It was very, very nice. And then at one moment she reached over and wiped something off his face. And, and it was just, it was just, I was like, wow, I think that's what Solomon said when he said our love is like a fragrance. It's like an aroma. I was like, that's what I want. That, that's what, when I'm older and when I've been married to Angie all those years, I still want us to be very much in love. I want us to care about each other and be concerned about one another. And that's what the book of Solomon is all about. It's about, let me just one more time. This is the last time. I've read this verse five times now, but let me just say it again. Here's the goal. Married people, you're not married. You want to be married. This is the goal. Place me like a seal over your heart like a seal on your, on your arm, for love is as strong as death. It's jealousy unyielding as the grave. When this phrase says it's as strong as death, that's where we get that term till death do us part, that everybody says in their marriage ceremony. It's, it's where we take the vows. 
I stand, take you, Angie, to be my to be my wife, to have and to hold you from this day forward, for better or for worse, for richer or for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love and to cherish from this day forward until death do us part. And I don't think any of us really realize when we're standing before that preacher, we really realize what we're getting into. Because I don't know if we did, if we might still not follow through initially. It's, it's like, like some of our single friends, you think marriage is, is cake pops and cappuccinos in the morning and, and foot rubs and candlelight at night. And uh, that's not marriage. That's Fantasy Island. So it just, it's not like that all the time. And so you say these vows, they're critical. They're, they're so important. Till death do us part is so important. They provide a foundation of stability. Till Listen, you said it. I said it. Till death do us part. May our love be permanent. May it be forever. They are a solemn promise that we make before God and a minister and family and friends to keep the covenant of marriage in good times and in bad. And everyone wants till death do us part in their ceremony. I ask people all the time, can I, can, you want to write your vows? Do you want me to? And most of them, they'll say, no, you just come up with vows. You do the traditional vows. But we want till death do us part. Everybody wants that in their marriage ceremony, but not everybody wants that to be their testimony or their only condition for the breakup of their marriage. And, and, and here, here's where I want to just, just stay. And I, I'm, I don't want to belittle this, but I want to stay for a minute. Nobody expects you to stay with a, an abuser. I'm not saying that at all. If you're in an abusive situation, get out. Get help. I'm not saying that. Nobody, nobody is expecting. The Bible doesn't say if you have a spouse that continually is unfaithful and won't honor their vows. You, you, get, you don't need to be a doormat. You, you don't need to... You don't need to be in that. That that that's not. But here's what I know about a lot of marriages. Too often than not, it's not it's not over abuse or adultery. More often than not, somebody gets bored, or because the chill bumps are gone, or because somebody feels unfulfilled, or because money gets tight, or responsibilities become burdensome, our freedoms become restricted. And marriage, it seems in our day, has become more convenient based then it has become more covenant-based, where instead of till death do us part, our response is as long as I'm happy. And, and I, your marriage that you entered into, is, it's not a contract that you can get out of. It's a, listen to me, young people. Listen to me, those that want to get married. Listen to me, the, those that are married. Your marriage is supposed to be built on covenant. Covenant is, is more about trust than terms. It's more about character than convenience. Covenant is more about giving than receiving. A contract is about legalities and leverages. A covenant is about love and loyalty. She is your marriage partner, the, the wife of your covenant, Malachi 2.4. A covenant binds two people together before God, family, and friends. And God knows us well. He knew, he knew that we were going to have trials and challenges and temptations and, and struggles. And he didn't build marriage on physical attraction because because beauty fades and gravity takes toll on everybody. It, it affects everybody. He didn't build it on contract because contracts are easily set aside. He didn't build it on feelings because feelings are fickle. He didn't build it on, uh, he built it on the foundation of covenant, a, a binding agreement between two people witnessed 
by God. It's the merging of two hearts, two becoming one. It's the blending of two lives, two becoming one. In covenant, you promise to give your life, your love, your loyalty unto death. And remember, remember, this is the grace place. And remember the ground rules through this whole series. We're not looking backwards. We can't change the past. The past is the past. And God's grace is sufficient and his blood is powerful enough to forgive you and help you. But what I'm saying is from this day forward, you might have been divorced three times, but don't let it be your fourth. You're going to enter into a covenant marriage that's going to, the only thing that's going to break it is death. And again, you're not just trying to endure until you die. You're trying to, where our goal is to make our marriage. And here's the deal. We've trivialized divorce. We've made divorce less than than it is. Mike and I like to play this game, Jenga. You've seen it where you build those blocks. It's like a block tower, and you start pulling out blocks. And eventually, you'll pull out a block, and the whole thing will collapse. Well, if society is the tower, the key block in the tower is marriage. And when you pull that out, of society, everything begins to crumble. The family crumbles. The, 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 uh, the society crumbles. The government crumbles. The church crumbles. And, and, and that's what we're witnessing in America today. We're witnessing a, a, a crumbling of society in large part because we're not honoring the Lord in this area when it comes to marriage. We privatize divorce. Like nobody, It's just between me and my spouse. Nobody else is going to get hurt. We've glorified divorce, promising. We've bought into the, to the idea that it promises freedom and happiness. And I just want you to know, divorce is a big deal. It leaves behind a path of broken hearts and broken lives. It does not deliver on its promises. According to research, less than one in five women are happier since their divorce. And I, and I know I, I feel pushback and resistance and And people are going to fill up my inbox because I don't know your situation. You don't know what I have to endure every day, and I don't. And and I and I said earlier that that there are there are some exceptions, but but those exceptions are very limited. I I don't know what you're going through, but I do want to encourage you that now's not the time to give up. Do the hard work of reconciliation and healing. Uh, Allow God to enter in and to give you a greater hope and a greater passion. Now's not the time to quit, but to press through. God hates divorce. Why? Because he hates what it causes. Because he loves you so much. He hates the pain it will cause. Divorce shatters covenant. And people on both sides get hit by, by flying debris. He hates divorce because grass isn't always greener on the other side. If you think that it's not, it's a facade, it's astroturf. The grass is not greener on the other side. In fact, first marriages, 47% of marriages in a divorce. Second marriages, 60% of marriages in a divorce. And the third marriage, 75% of third marriages in a divorce. The failure rate goes up with each subsequent marriage. Here's the deal. Until you learn to love an imperfect person with Christ-like love, it doesn't matter who you're married to because we all disappoint and we all let down and we're all unable to meet every need. Here's another reason God hates divorce. Because he knows that sin is forgivable and marriage is, 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 
is repairable. Nothing is impossible with God. So if you're in this place and you're considering divorce and you're on the break of split up, I want to encourage you, man, let us help you. Give us a call. Let us know. Let, let one of the pastors, let us meet with you. Let us connect you with a marriage mentor. mentor. Let us give you some resources, some help. It's our goal that at Cloverhill that no, that no marriages have to end in divorce. No matter what you've done or where you failed, you can still have a great marriage. Don't let the devil lie to you and condemn you. We, we've already messed up. Here's what Paul said. Forgetting what is behind and pressing forward unto that which as before. Trust him. Seek him. Do the hard work of of rekindling your feelings that you once had. Make every effort to keep the marriage fun and fulfilling. Get some help, but don't quit from this day forward. This is our goal until death do us part. Marriage is a commitment to keep, not a contract to break. Divorce is a sin to avoid, not an option to embrace. And in marriage, the best way out is through what God has joined together. Let no man separate. Here's what he goes on to say. It burns like a blazing fire. What does? My marriage, my love. It's not just the covenant I've entered into and, and then I just endure it till I die. No, I'm going to keep the flame hot. I'm going to keep the embers burning. It's like a mighty, it's like a mighty flame. It, it, many waters can't quench it. Rivers can't sweep it. Away, storms of life, layoffs, miscarriages, challenges, difficulties, tragedy is not going to quench my love. No circumstance can happen that would quench my love for you because it's undying till death do us part. If anyone were to give all the wealth of one's house for love, it would be utterly scorned. Solomon's saying, I'm not going to allow anything to lure me. Pull me away. Nothing can separate us. No money, not another person, not a job, not a hobby, not a storm, not a challenge. Nothing. Nothing. This is our goal. So how do you do it? And I've, I've given you many, many principles, and I want to just review them with you quickly. First is develop godly character. Remember this. This is so important. This, this is priority. Seek first the kingdom of God. Your, your, your greatest relationship. If you want a great marriage this way, be, be persistent and, and, and go after God this way. Spend time with him consistently. When you, not out of duty, but out of desire. Not out of religion. Let me check this off. But out of a growing relationship. God, I just want more of you. I love you because you first loved me. And so let me spend some time with you. Let me interact with you. Let, let, the, let, the good, let your nature begin to rub off on me. Begin to fill me with, with the good things that only God can give. Rid me of the junk and the selfishness and the greed and the materialism and, and, the, and the narcissism and fill me with your love and your joy and your peace and your patience. And your, come on, that's what God wants to do in your life. He wants to root out and pour in. He wants to give you grace. He wants to give you power. He wants to give you everything you need for life and godliness. And it only happens by rubbing up and getting close to him. Spend time in his word. Listen to worship. Be in church. Get around your small group people. Rub off on one another. Encourage one another. Uh, inspire one another. Pray for one another. Bless one another. Together, let, let's desire what God wants for our lives. Develop godly character. And again, well, I haven't been good at that. From this day forward, 
You can't change yesterday. Well, I've met from this day forward. Go after God. Here, here's another thing I want you to do. Take the preparation season seriously. When, it, when Solomon wrote this back in that day, there would be when a guy got betrothed. Is that the right word? He got engaged. They used a little bit different terms. But when he made a commitment to a woman, it was, it was usually parent, the parents decided who they're going to marry. I like that a whole, whole lot now that I got kids. And so their parents would, would put them together, and, and, and they would take a year to prepare. And, and the dad would take seriously, he would take seriously his commitment to mentor his son. He would walk him through the first five books of the Old Testament, the Torah, and he would learn to apply godly principles to his marriage. For a year, the dad would invest and would sow and would mentor and would minister to his son, getting him ready for marriage. The mom would take the daughter, and for a year, she would mentor her, and she would instruct her, and she would, they'd go through Scripture together. They'd go through Bible studies together. They would just be getting prepared for, for marriage. There would be this season of preparation, and her, and her purity was, was, was protected. I mean, there was an all-out, because she, she realized the best thing she could give to her husband was her virginity. So, so everybody got involved in protecting this young girl's purity. Let me, let me read it to you. We, it, oftentimes, this, when it says we, this is the brother these are the brothers of Solomon's beloved. And they say, we have a young sister. And so Solomon has already married their older sister, and now they have this young sister. And her breasts are not yet grown. She's a preteen. She's, she's not fully developed. What, will we, what shall we do for our sister the day she is spoken for? There's going to come a time where some guy is going to fall in love with her. He's going to get all goo-goo over her, and he's going to want to be her husband. So as brothers, what do we do? How, how do we help her? This is good. If she is a wall, if she's, if she's can't touch this, I'm going to stay pure. If she's guarding her purity... If she's walking in a way that pleases God, we will build tower, towers of silver on her. We'll honor her. We'll cherish her. We'll appreciate her. We'll continue to encourage her to live in that manner. If she is a door open to anybody. Oh, who's next? Come on in. Let me date him. Let me date her. Let me, let me go. Let me sleep. Let me, let me do it. If she's a door, we will enclose her with cedars of panel. We're going to lock her away. We're going to get her away from every other guy because we, it's part of our responsibility is to protect her purity. That's what I'm trying to do, young people, for you over these last five weeks. I'm trying to protect you. I'm, I'm going out on a limb and saying a lot of things that are not popular and are very contrary to what the world believes. I, I'm even seeming to many of you archaic and hard and inflexible. Why is that? Because I want what what God wants for you. I want God's best for you. I don't want you to be conformed to the pattern of this world where you're like a door open to whoever and whosoever will, but that you're like a wall guarding and protecting yourself. You Listen, you can't put a condom on your heart. You can't guard the, the thing that God, that God is so concerned about. I don't want you to buy into philosophy and, and the way that the culture deems romance and sex. I want you to be transformed in your thinking thinking and do it God's way and get God's results because you can't 
You can't build your future foundation of marriage. You can't build your marriage on the foundation of sin. You can't do it. And here's what, here's what the beloved, she pipes in. So they've talked about her younger sister, and now she jumps into the conversation. I am a wall. I saved myself for Solomon. I closed myself in for one man, and my breasts are like towers. She's not bragging. She's just saying, can't nobody touch them. They're, they're too high. I've, I've got them out of reach. That's what she's saying. Thus I become, listen to this, thus it, I have become in his eyes like one bringing contentment. To Solomon, he's, he, he's smitten with me because I was a wall, and I did it God's way. He's, his eyes like are Google for me, and, he, and I bring contentment. I, it's shalom. I bring him peace. My, my home is filled with peace because I was, wall, I was a wall and not a door. Protect. Listen to me. Listen to me. I'm begging you. Protect your purity. If you're a teenager, if you're a young adult, if you're, if you're in your 60s but you're back in the dating field, protect your purity. Well, we've already blown it. From this day forward, protect your purity. Parents, get involved. Brothers, sisters, small groups, let's rally around one another with encouragement and hope and and not guilt and condemnation. But come on, we can do this. We can honor God in this way. You can wait till marriage. Let's be a source of help and hope to those around us. Flee from sexual immorality, Paul says. All other sins a man commits are outside his body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who, and you were bought with a price, you're not your own. Therefore, honor God with your body. Protect your purity in Jesus' name. But once you're married, have great sex. Sex is not dirty and God is not approved. Sex is a gift of God, giving the people in the covenant of marriage to bond them and unite them. It's the taking of two, two separate lives and, and, and making them one spiritually, physically, emotionally. In the context of marriage, sex is meant to be practiced and enjoyed and cherished. And according to God's word, physical intimacy is not an option in marriage. Satan's plan for us is to trick us and to tempt us and to dupe us into having sex before marriage. And then once we get married, to stop having sex. Don't give in to the temptation and the lies of the enemy. Have great sex. Here's the fourth thing. Fight right. Fight right. You're going you're gonna to have conflict. 30% or so of the book of Solomon was dealing with conflict. Healthy couples fight clean. Unhealthy couples fight dirty. Healthy couples work towards resolution. Unhealthy couples, I mean, unhealthy couples fight. Let me say it again. Healthy couples fight towards resolution. They want to make things right. They want to reconcile. Unhealthy couples fight for victory. They just want to win. They want to be declared the victor. They want to be heard that you were right, I was wrong. But when it comes to marriage, if one of you win, we both lose because it's a team sport. It's a partnership. The goal is not to win. The goal is to be reconciled and healed and, and, and to become one again. So, so make, I, I encourage you. I'm just, 
I'm not going to preach here. I'm already preaching. I'm preaching a long time already. Here's some pre-fight decisions. Act before you react. A soft answer turns away wrath. Keep watch over the doors of my lips. I'm not going to react to a situation. I'm going to have the right filter on, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to step back before it gets heated. Before I lash out in anger, before I say something I'm going to regret, I'm going to take a breath. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm just going to take a deep breath and I'm going to, I'm not going to react. I'm going to act. I'm going to focus on the good and not the bad. If there's anything pleasing or if there's any virtue or good report, think on those things. Find the good things in your spouse and begin to concentrate and focus and, and, and meditate on those things. Focus on the good, not the bad and decide to talk and not walk. Don't let the anger go down on your wrath. Don't, don't threaten with divorce. Don't, don't bring that word up. Don't, don't slam doors and run out of rooms and get in the car and drive around a block for hours. Talk about it. Do it in a way that brings honor. Do it in the way that you would recognize that God is in the very room with you because he is and interact in a way that, that, that brings one, that honors one another and values one another. And today I just want to conclude I've said some new stuff, said some old stuff. I just want to do it. Quit. Let's let our intent, let's, let's quit going from just intentions. Man, I need to do that. I should do that. I want to do that. And let's start actions. Let, let's, let's begin to do it. Let's start putting some of this stuff into practice. Let's start living it and acting it out. And here, here, here's how I would sum, or here's just a few other points I'd give you. And, and these are real helpful, I think. Say something good. Say, why don't you say that? Say something good. And I encourage you to write this down because it'll just help. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you and encourage you. If you think something good, say it. Spray it like I do. Text it. Get it out there. Don't rob your spouse of a blessing. Say something Good. Solomon, if he's taught us anything, he's taught us that words matter. There's life and death in the power of the tongue. Reckless words pierce like a sword, but the words of the wise brings healing. Gracious words are like honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healthy to the body. Whoever keeps his mouth and tongue keeps himself out of trouble. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight. O God, my Lord, my Redeemer. Solomon was the master complimenter. He, he in, this, in these short eight chapters, Solomon goes on three long rants of complimenting her and being very specific in his complimentary, in his comp- complimenting. The first two, he starts from the head down. In the third, he goes from the, the feet up. Let's, 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 just, let's just check out what Solomon says. How beautiful your sandaled feet. Your graceful legs are like jewels. The work of an artist's hands. I think that's where ZZ Top got that song. She's got legs and she knows how to use them. Now here, I don't recommend this, but here, listen. Your navel is like a rounded goblet. It's like a big old punch bowl, I guess. I don't know. That, that never lacks blended wine. Your, your navel is able to hold a lot of lint. I guess that's what she's kind of... It, it blessed her. I don't know. Listen to this. Your waist is a mound of wheat encircled by lilies. Oh, help him. Your breasts are like two fawns, like twin fawns of a gazelle. And I, he keeps, 
I think he's just real happy she's got two because he keeps going back to that over and over again. He is extremely complimentary. He, he goes, here, here's what I would say. That we don't understand it a lot because it's a lot of metaphors and it's a lot of symbolism. So I, I wrote the song of Stan, and, and it's found in chapter 1, verse 1, and it says through 10, How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes behind your veil are like a 60-inch LED Samsung television. Your hair is like gravy flowing down off a mountain of Cracker Barrel biscuits. Your teeth are white like fresh fallen snow that keeps the office shut for two days. And as straight as a tee shot that lands in the middle of the fairway. He should have done this. Your lips are like a shiny new Toyota Tacoma, freshly waxed, gassed up, and ready to go. Your neck is like the arc of a jump shot that hits nothing but the bottom of the net. Your breasts are like two cakes from Ucrops Bakery, perfectly frosted and now available on Sundays. (laughs) You're perfect from top to bottom, inside and out. Nothing compares to you. Say something good. <laughs> instead, of, instead of just saying, I love you, be specific. That's what we learned from Solomon, that he's specific. Angie, I love you because you've laid down your life to follow God's plan for us. Angie, I love you because you're the most selfless, loyal, committed person I've ever met. Angie, I love you because you've been an amazing mom to our kids. Angie, I love you because you honestly and authentically love Jesus. Angie, I loved you because you convinced me to give a kid a chance and you welcome into our home and you've helped me to love him like our own. Angie, I love you because your compassion for kids from hard places and your passion to see them whole and families equipped to to bring healing is contagious and inspiring. Angie, I love you because you're quick to forgive and you offer grace instead of condemnation. Angie, I love you and there is no other woman I would rather be with than you. Say something good. When you, when you don't, when you don't, when you don't tell them something good, they generally assume something bad. The house looks great. The meal was awesome. Look, look this isn't rocket science. You start practicing just a few of these, it'll, it'll change you. You, you. The way you handled that was amazing. You look beautiful. You're a great dad. I'm so proud of you. I have so much to be thankful for. There's a common uh, thing that I hear from wives all the time, and it, it, they constantly, I hear a lot, my husband's not a spiritual leader. And then they just, they just nag him, and they, and they think they're encouraging, but they're really hurting. And I would just say, just encourage him, whatever he does. He comes to church one day. Baby, I'm so grateful that you came. Or, or if he prays over the meal, you know, even if he says, rub-a-dub-dub, thank God for the grub. Just <laughs> praise him, man. That's the greatest prayer I've ever heard. That's amazing. Get in his ear. Kiss, nibble on it a little bit. Let blow on it. Say, man, you are a spiritual giant. That Do a little praise break. That just changed my life. And you watch the next time. He'll go a little bit further, rub-a-dub-dub, thank God for the grub, and God is good, food is great, let's eat. I mean, it'll just be amazing what, what he'll do if you'll just encourage him, if you'll say something 
good. Say something good. And here, here's the last thing, and then I'm going to pray. Do something special. <laughs> Solomon is a great complimenter, and his beloved is a great initiator. And, and here, we could just end it like this. Have a great marriage. Husbands compliment. Wives initiate. Amen. Everybody bow your heads. We could go home right now. If you do that, listen to what it says. Come, my beloved. This is her speaking. He's complimented her, went on and on three times, over and over. She comes, come, my beloved, let's go to the countryside. Let's spend the night in the villages. She's saying, let's go get a bed and breakfast. Let's get out of town for a little bit. Let's get away from the kids. Let's go on a date. Let's just me and you. Let's just go do something special. Let's reconnect. Let's spend some time. Let, let's, 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 uh, let's be together. Let us go early to the vineyards. So they're going to go get away at some bed and breakfast, and then they're going to go to the park. They're going to go to the botanical gardens, and they're going to see if the, if the vines have budded, if, there's, if the blossoms have opened. And if the pomegranates are in bloom, there I will give you my love. She, she's the initiator. Hey, let's get away. Let's go to the park. If it's real pretty, pretty, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you my love. I'm Okay, I'm going to give you my love. That, that was before Google, and that was before satellite, and that was before it was illegal. But back then, she said, come to the park. And, and I'm not encouraging that in, in our day and age, but I am encouraging, get away, do something special. Men compliment. Women initiate. Initiate. I, I serve one another. Prefer one another. I, I, I told you last week, I'm weird. I, I don't like to eat after 6 o'clock every night. It's just, I, somebody told me a long time ago, your body needs 12 hours of rest, and so I, I don't like to eat after 6 or before 6. It's just, I know, it's weird, and it, it, Angie's not weird like that. But because she knows it matters to me, there are very few times where we don't eat, where we have to eat after 6. She kind of, I mean, even when we go out, we, we get like the early bird special. It's not her desire, it's not what she wants, but she knows that, matters to me. It's a small thing. She'll call me when she's out shopping. And even yesterday, she went to Publix and, and, and said, hey, can I get you this? She'll text me, hey, this looks really good. I think you'll really love this. Let me, or she'll just bring it home. She'll go shopping for clothes and she'll bring me a shirt or shoes or just, she's just thinking about me. And it's just doing something special. I, I've, I have tried. It's, this is not a big deal. I'm not saying, it's just little things that hopefully make a bit that, that add it up. But I do, the, I do Micah's wash and I do my wash. And I, I wash it, I fold it, I put it away. And, and again, it's not a big deal. It's not her job. I'm not, I'm not implying that. But it just, it just says, it, I try to, if I'm ever out for breakfast and I have a lot of breakfast meetings, I'll try to get her a coffee because she loves coffee. Just, again, it's not a big deal. It's just a, a small thing. Just do something special. I was cleaning out her car the other day, and, and I thought, man, I don't want her ever driving a dirty car. I don't, I don't if, if, it, if it's at all possible, I don't want her going to the gas station anymore. I want to try to keep her car clean and her tank full. And again, it's just a little thing. But what would happen if we started to just do some little things? If we said something good, if we did something special? In dating, let me just, I'm concluding. In dating, behavior follows feelings. Man, I want to I wanna be sweet. I want to 
I want to date. I want to bring her chocolates. I want to bring her flowers because my feelings are going nuts. They're in overdrive. But once we get married, it has to flip-flop. It has to change. Feelings follow behavior. You start saying something good. You start doing something special. You start behaving in a way that honors and values her. That honors and values God. Then feelings start to follow. Here's, as I wrap up this series, say something good. Do something special. Man, let's go. Life's too short. God is too good to just endure marriage, to put up with your spouse, to believe that it's just going to be like this forever. God has given us an example in his word. He's given us principles. He's given us power. Develop godly character. Stay pure. Have great sex. Fight right. And by the grace of God, let's make our marriage all that God intended and all that God wanted. Let's dig in. Let's fight. Let's do above and beyond. Let's connect. Let's join hands. And by the grace and the power and the help of the Holy Spirit, we're going to have a marriage that's going to be a sweet aroma. It's going to be a fragrance to a watching and hurting world. In Jesus' name. Amen, everybody. Amen. Stand to your feet with me, will you? I want all our married couples, will you come down? Will you grab your spouse's hand if your partner's here? Will you come to the front? I want to pray over you in this last series. If, you're, if your spouse is not here and you've been praying for him for a long time, praying for her, for Angie, come, come with me, will you? Grab that mic. Wherever it is, Tyler might have it. Uh, if your spouse is not here and you're praying for him, we're going to pray for that. But I, I want you to...